As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, everybody. I'm Nikki McCoy, and I'm an illustrator and fashion designer. I'm Mervyn McCoy, illustrator and storyteller. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the Paper, Paper Lab, Lab Podcast. You hear that music? You know whose music that is? We stole it off the internet. Just kidding. It's Spicy Beats. B-E-E-T-S. And he hates beats. Let's check him out on SoundCloud. You can support us at paperlabstudios.com or check us out on patreon.com slash paperlabstudios. Look at that. We're back again. Again. That's ridiculous. We're back again. That's a redundancy. (laughs) I was taught better than that. My English teacher would have humiliated me as she did most of us in class. She did a whole, you haven't, I don't see any A's or B's beside your name. She would do that to all the students that would use redundancies or use words like nice or good or well. She always said, you know, you need to push your vocabulary um farther don't use basic words like that double plus good yeah double plus good um yeah look at that who's who's that in the background that's nicole as you expect uh, but guess who else we have yeah and she, hey, how's that, going yeah mr nate Miss- oh, yeah, shit. here we go again <laughs> <laughs> so that's like one of my favorite quotes that's like from um i think that's grand theft Auto san andreas that's at cj oh, yeah. <laughs> um so you have the honor of being introduced by <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite characters i forgot who he was voiced by but i know sam jackson's in that game he's officer teen peeny and uh he's like some evil cop that you're like He's like always after CJ. Anyway, go play the game. You'll find out. So Nate's here and you might wonder why he's here. Uh, you know, because Nate's only here for special occasions, apparently. He's on a mission. Yeah. What's your mission, Nate? Well, I'm... <laughs> that could change from day to day, hour to hour. But <laughs> uh, at the moment, my agenda is mostly to talk about Will Eisner. 
Why? And, uh, why would we not? I mean... The comic books of what we have read between the two of us, why would we not talk about uh, Will Eisner? Answer me that. Well... Answer me that. For one... Bruh. Yeah, there's no reason. I don't have an answer. <laughs> there's no reason. To be, to be fair, Will Eisner is um, fascinating because... Uh, I, I didn't know who he was uh, until much later in life, and my mother would bring home these giant, the Spirit magazine size things, and I'd read them, and I'd, you know, front to back, the and spirits are with you. <laughs> and yes, they were with me, um, and I was so fascinated by the books because they were so different from everything else. And little did I know, this guy was doing this stuff like way before any of the the. Oh yeah. And I, I, I don't mean to be insulting, but the pedestrian stuff that I was reading at the time, um, like, and it was black and white too. So you know, it, it, it like it, the things he was doing with just um, you know, just black and white comics, and uh, he termed the phrase graphic novel, didn't he? Like he was the one that yes, kind of invented that term. Um, one uh, of the guys who really pushed comic book storytelling forward, yeah, dragging and dragged and screamed it into um, some more modern, yeah. Uh, looks. He um, he's the first guy to actually use things like dramatic lighting and cinematic camera angles and things like that. Yeah, he. Uh, he was, yeah. And he was working mostly in the '40s and the '50s, which back then everybody thought comic books would just sort of come and go and fade out. No one was taking it seriously. Well, uh, <laughs> well, as Alan Moore said, wasn't it all really just to launder, you know, mob money anyway? So I mean, <laughs> why would you take it seriously? It was it was money laundering. <laughs> I can believe it. <laughs> most of the operation was so lackadaisical, and most. Of, I mean, to be fair, it, it's not like it's necessarily changed. No, it's just that uh, you can um, you you can pretty it up with a lot more colors and uh there's a lot more flash you can do to, to kind of hide what's going on but no you're right he's amazing yeah amazing visionary yeah he uh, he was actually doing a freelance uh jobs while uh, still in high school uh when he was 13 his uh mom's sat him down and said look it's time to start bringing in some money to the household <laughs> that's Good parenting. <laughs> yeah, they were coming up in the depression. Hell yeah! And, you know, and yeah, he was uh, really living in the New York tenements at the time. Which uh, you know, those experiences he went on later to draw from when he uh, yeah created his uh, graphic novel a Contract with God. God. Yeah. yeah, and but yeah, he <laughs> he I, I think he's also a great. Uh, uh, you know, not to uh, kind of zone in too much. He was a great uh, Jewish voice because a lot of his, uh, oh, yeah. a, a lot of his stories uh, kind of, you can learn a lot actually uh, about the, the culture and, and, and just the people and, you know, just the depth of uh, just, just thought and diversity within that group. Um, because he, he was very much about, you know, uh, sharing, uh, you know, his, his background and beliefs, and not just in in a religious sense, just like I say, a cultural sense. Um, very very interesting. If I got your mother that book, um, about the, oh my gosh, I keep forgetting. You might know the one, the one about the the chronicles of something something. I I don't know why I can't remember the name. Um, 
It was about. Are you talking about the plot? Yeah, the plot. The okay. plot. Yes, yes, yes. I haven't actually read that one, but I know it deals with um, uh, anti-Semitic. Yep. Where a lot. Of, yeah, where a lot of that stuff comes from. Yep. Yep. Huh. It, um, and and, it's like, and that's the type of guy he was. You know, what I mean, he you know he did a lot of interesting work like that. So Nicole, you're a huge Will Eisner fan, as we learned. Um, yeah. Really? I wrote the book. <laughs> oh, absolutely. wow yeah yeah what you're jewish oh uh, yeah you, you know nothing about this this man um he wrote the spirit that's it you love the movie oh, don't you <laughs> the movie was point. terrible yeah the spirit is well, just, yeah, yeah oh, you're right let's not talk about the movie. with you it, yeah, but uh, t- to be fair though for what the movie is i feel like uh wasn't frank miller is was it also a huge "Quote unquote disciple of Will Eisner, like Frank Miller isn't yeah. Frank Miller because of a guy like Will Eisner. Um, he was so, friends with yeah, the guy. exactly, exactly. And he, from what I understand, he took the job of directing uh, the Spirit because he wanted to make sure somebody got it right. Yeah, which well, <laughs> <isn't how it's laughs> right now. yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know. I, and you have a movie with all kinds of Oof. amazing lines like, I'm going to kill you all kinds of dead. <laughs> that is deep, though. I'm I mean, just that's saying. That's right there. I, I think that is the height of, of, of <laughs> artistry. I'm about to end this man's whole career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I think it did. His career, it peaked with that one line. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean maybe the studio wanted him to make a Sin City, maybe. Probably. I, who knows? Doctor. But no, but sorry. Back to your point about the spirit, though. The oh. the actual real spirit. Okay, a bit of a history about it. Uh, this whole spirit thing uh, began in 1939 when Eisner was approached by a publisher named Everett Arnold. <laughs> about creating a character that would appear in the Sunday comics as a sort of supplement that would help newspapers uh, compete with this new publishing thing called comic books that was going on. And uh, at the time, uh, Will Eisner, he was uh, developing this character. He saw more of a private investigator, uh, but the newspaper was looking for more of a superhero uh, huh. sort of deal. So Eisner just slapped on a domino face mask and gloves <laughs> on this guy who was just wearing a suit and a hat. And there you go. You got a superhero-ish character. I respect the audacity of that guy. He's like, he's like here. <laughs> I love that. Like, I respect that so much. Oh, man. He often said later times that he felt kind of silly. Uh, drawing this character who would uh, interact normally with people and getting these um, slice of life slash crime situations where he's wearing this weird domino face mask like it was didn't even matter. The, the domino mask is funny because I think no, a dude walking around in a domino mask, people would just say, hey, I think you got holes in your face mask. That's that's about yeah. it. It would be yeah, pretty... It would pretty, even just wearing a domino mask, I think, would be acceptable in society at this point. Um, Maybe. Yeah, and a fedora. You'd be like, okay, cool. That's just his yeah, personal yeah. stuff. Yeah. People would think wearing gloves all the time would be normal as well. 
Yeah, I mean, the spirit could walk around literally and they just say, yo, that dude got his own style. He's looking yeah. slick. But, you know, he uh, had his own studio that um, he was working with a couple other artists and um, creators to keep the spirit going. Um, <laughs> and then he got uh, drafted into the army in 1941. Mm. I hate it when that happens. Yeah, World War II, what can you do? But... <laughs> But yeah, while he was in the army, he actually uh, was able to uh, get the job of uh, creating instructional manuals, and he was actually uh, making comics to uh, teach soldiers how to, uh, you know, use weapons and uh, things like that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he was drawing comics (laughs) from the army. It's fascinating, right? Dudes like him and, you know, the aforementioned Kirby, like... These dudes, you know, went to war and used their, you know, used their skills to actually aid in a war effort in such unique and, and interesting ways, like, um, and then brought oh. them back into civilian life, the, the skills. From what I understand, uh, Jack Kirby actually tried to convince he should be making instructional manuals, but uh, nobody took him seriously, and they just had him, they just sent him out onto the front lines where he did use his drawing skills to uh, draw maps. That, that's what I was yeah. Position. Yeah. He, he did help in the Argo thing, though. Not Well, not the movie, but, the, the you know, the story it's based on, he's the artist. Yeah. They, yeah. So, he, like, I mean, these guys, like, you know, they show that it's more than just this this hobby, this hobbyist skill that, you know, some people possess. It, it's, it's an art form that can definitely, you know, change borders, you know, Save the world sometimes. Um, but, but yeah, no. <laughs> with, with, well, one thing, I remember uh, there was one story uh, Eisner said about, you know, making these instruction manuals. Uh, at one point, in, he was making this manual to uh, help, I think it was uh, Mexican workers, uh, you know, help out on uh, farming communities. Um, and he drew uh, this one panel where he had a worker uh, lifting up plants from the ground, mm-hmm. uh, but he only drew the worker from the waist high. And that was interpreted uh, to mean that if they bring these plants up from the ground, they would uh, have the bottom half of their bodies cut off. <laughs> Very interesting perceptions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he uh, you know, uh, kept drawing manuals while he was in the Army until his time was up. And while he was away, his uh, studio actually kept working on spirit stories and uh, churning out material for them. For him, they were just basically go his work. So, so was okay. So, did he train people to draw like him, or like uh, wh- wh- how how did that work? I don't oh, understand. He just had a lot of uh, trust in the people working. Okay, with him like a studio. Okay, like a manga studio. Okay, yeah. I, I was just trying to trying to suss it out because you know, um, uh, w- w- was he like a. Was he one of those guys, like, a, did he churn work out, or was it something where he'd kind of just pay attention to one thing and then he'd have his people or his assistants work on the other things that he's associated uh, with? I don't really okay. know all okay. the details. Okay. Um, I know he went right back to working on the spirit after his tar- time in the army was finished. Gotcha. And um, it was really during, after he came back to the States where he just, like, uh, bore down and, like, pushed the envelope of what he could do with his spirit. And, you know, he was doing some crazy, surreal things with it. I mean, he never actually 
had too much of a set logo for the spirit. He was always redesigning that, incorporating it into the scenes of the story. You know, you'd have like tenement buildings and the shapes of um, the logo, the letters of the spirit. And uh, apparently the newspapers hated that. Yeah, because he's breaking. Here's the thing. That guy is the enemy of of like the corporate mentality because as you're saying, he's reinventing and he's doing new things and he's pushing boundaries every time he does this thing. People like that hate that because they can't wrap their minds around it. For one, they don't want to understand it because it's not about a smart thing. It's just they're, they're so regimented. It scares them, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I, I love that he did that. Like he terrified these people and... Um, for what I understood, he never took guff from anybody. Like he would just oh, really? walk off right. jobs, huh. or just not, you know, not not take on um certain types of things, or just you know say whatever and move on. Like I mean, it was tough. Right. Hence the the whole domino mass thing. That's how he works. That that's kind of a nice analogy, um for for Eisner's um thing. You know, it's like this is not what I'm interested in doing. I'm going to find a way to make it interest me, and if you don't like it, because I'm I'm sure if they didn't like that, then there probably would be no spirit. If they if they weren't willing to accept the domino mask, you probably wouldn't have the character. One quick thing about uh, you know the newspapers and uh, Will Eisner and Spirit. Uh, one problem they had with the Spirit is because there wasn't a logo that they could use in advertisements, and um, you know they wanted to like put up. Uh, notices on buses and uh, just all around the city where they could have like you know the spirit logo as well as illustrations but they had a hard time with that just because uh kept redesigning the logo but it you know here's the thing about that that shows the lack of creative thinking because i mean just choose one or just use his image. <laughs> like, I mean, guys, it, it's not that hard because these guys have such a regimented mind. Look at that. But there's not a logo. We, uh, 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 and they literally <laughs> shut down. I was going to ask, like, how many different cartoon um, characters were running around with, you know, like a domino mask and his look is pretty iconic. It's pretty iconic. You you might say, oh, he looks generic, but you look at the spirit. You can, He doesn't look like Crimson Avenger. He doesn't look, I guess the Lone Ranger, somebody could say, oh, but he's not wearing a cowboy. Like, and Robin. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, he wears pants at least. Yeah, oh, yeah. Though um, I'm sure uh, out there on, on Tumblr somewhere, there's a Spirit Robin mashup. <laughs> he's, he's wearing like blue uh, blue scale um, undies. Like I never knew I needed. Yeah, I'm just saying. I might. <laughs> it's, it's funny, though, that you, you, you say that um, about the, the logos, because it, it's like, how does that. How does that really stop you from advertising this guy? Like, I mean, if, if it's so... Because it was doing well, right? Yeah, exactly. Actually, um, so it people... uh, kept going through the 40s up until 1950 when uh, Eisner was just finished with the Spirit. And um, afterwards, uh, Spirit just kept being reprinted through the 60s and 70s. Yeah, it, it's they treat the audience like they're dumb in a lot of ways because um if he's already that popular i that it, the imagery it, it, how many times have you seen something and you're not sure what it is and you're like oh wait you know there's usually somebody 
for friend circle, especially back then when you don't have anything, any distractions, you're not looking at your phone while walking. So there's a picture of some dude on a bus. It's like, or whatever, wherever they're going to plaster his face. You know, it's like, oh, huh, interesting. It's in the Sunday, whatever, whatever. I'll check this out. You know, it, it it's, it's fine. But either way, alas, that's just the corporate mindset. Yeah. So, and yet, after, uh, what I understand, after Eisner was done with the Spirit in 1952, he um, went on to form his own company that yeah. would actually do the same thing he did in the Army. He made instructional material with uh, comics. For, Smart uh, guy. You know, you say the word comics, I assume superhero, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a medium and not the genre. It's a way to express ideas. Um, and, and that's exactly what that man did. Use it for ideas. Message. <laughs> <laughs> but, but how did that business go though? His, his, um, instructional manual business. Uh, I understand it, it kept him fed. He did a contract with God in 1978. Was there anything in particular that kind of you know, roused him to do contract with God or was it just something that he was working on in the background? Do you know? At least? I don't know. Okay. I, I was just curious. haven't looked uh, that far into why he did then. Um, I know when he uh, started like taking around uh, a contract with God in 1978, he uh, tried a traditional book publishers, but nobody knew it. <laughs> You know, he was the first guy to actually use the term graphic novel to mm. describe anything. And people <laughs> looked at him like he was out of his mind. <laughs> you can't have graphics in enough pictures and words? You crazy. Course, these days, publishers uh, are like, you know, handing out million dollar contracts for graphic novels and original material like that. Yeah, they refuse to even use the word comics. <laughs> you know, it's. It's this, it's this really fascinating, fascinating thing. But did he even Jack Kirby ever cross paths or anything? I don't, I don't know if you know this oh, or not. Jack Kirby um, actually did work uh, with them when uh, Will Eisner and uh, I think it was Jerry Iger had their own uh, studio going to create new okay. comic material. It was um, it was before he did the Spirit. Okay. Was, okay, I'm gonna have to like uh, rewind. Yeah, that's fine. But, uh, yeah, it was like in high school, he was doing freelance illustrating work until he graduated. And uh, then uh, he was actually friends with, uh, was it? oh, yeah, Bob Kane, the Oof. guy who uh, yeah. later went on to help create Batman. Yeah. And it was actually Bob Kane who encouraged uh, Will Eisner to give comics a try. Wow, Bob Kane did something good in his life. Wow. <laughs> well, hey, hey, broken clock, right? You mentioned Bob Kane encouraged um, uh, Eisner to work to work in comics. Oh. So, yeah, I'm saying he he did one good thing in his life. I mean, <laughs> just giving him giving him credit, you know, posthumously, but still credit. So one of the funniest things about Bob Bob Kane, you should try this. Everybody should look this up. Look up. On YouTube, Bob Kane, Stanley, uh, you know that drawing show Stanley used to have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There, there is. Oh my God, that and the episode with the Image guys are two of my favorite episodes, um, because it's so like 
awkward and you're like are they being passive aggressive or are they being aggressive aggressive what's going on here but look up the bob kane stanley going because bob kane keeps picking digs and he's probably just he's, he's cracking jokes but if you know anything of bob kane in in uh history you're probably like ah he's probably just saying what's on his mind but but either way um bob he kane, was making stanley uncomfortable I I don't think it was. They were just digging at each other, but it's the type of no. digs. It, it it's uh St- Stanley has a has a way with him where he can, you know, he might say something that might be off color, but it it's it's Stanley. It's like ah, I hate your mother. You know what I mean? And you're like, <laughs> oh Stan, <laughs> you're so crazy. But Bob Kane is just you know yeah, Bob Kane. Just look, it's a really fun, like, I don't think you'll waste your time. If you have any interest in comics or comics history, uh, or even if you know who Stanley is, I think you'll be amused because they're all younger, you know, because these, these men aren't with us anymore. So they're younger and they're a little bit more vibrant. So you get to kind of, they're not in their prime, but, you know, they're, they're, they're still like, it's a fascinating thing. It's like a creator of, the co-creators of Batman and, you know, some of the Marvel wow. Universe like just you know in the same place it's a fascinating uh little uh run around quick note i uh, did watch uh the stanley will eisner uh video uh, oh. while i was you know prepping for this um podcast how's that and it's good hmm. actually uh there's a you can tell stanley had a lot of respect for will eisner and uh they got along well you know, that interview, it was fun. It was good to watch. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. The, the other one's fun, too, just in a different way. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I guess, you know, it, it, it works out. You know, him and Will didn't co-create anything, so they didn't have to. <laughs> they didn't have any uh, <laughs> secret animosities. Um, no, I, I, I'm going to. So I can just type in Stanley Will Eisner. And I'll find it? Okay. All right. Keep that in mind. And that's also for you, listeners. Look it up. I'm sure it's a barrel of laughs. I don't know. (laughs) We mentioned earlier about Will Eisner and Jack Kirby. Going back. Yeah. You know, after Bob King, Will Eisner worked on a humor series called uh, Wow, What a Magazine. (laughs) And uh, it was on there. It was while he was doing that that he met uh, another artist named Jerry Iger. Ah. And Wow Magazine, that only lasted four issues. And um, after that, you know, Eisner and Iger, they formed their own studio that, to create, you know, original comic material. And um, I think it was called the Eisner Eigner. I, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah, they really went, got creative with that name. <laughs> He pulled out all them Eisner stuff. All the stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it was through that studio that Eisner worked with these early greats, uh, like Jack Kirby. Yeah, Jack Kirby. JK, as they call him in the biz. <laughs> guys like uh, Wally Wood and um, but just well-known older artists like that. So, they did work for Wally Wood, are you familiar with what... Th- this? I don't know if this is... This is an apocryphal tale of Wallywood drawing Power Girl. Each issue, he would literally draw her breasts bigger and bigger. I think he was trying to get kicked <laughs> off the book or something like that. Um, hence why Power Girl is Power Girl now. I, I think it's apocryphal. I never went and 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 um, 
researched it. It's just a really funny um, comic book story that this, you know, they say about uh, Mr. Wood. He's a great artist too. Like that dude. Look up Wallywood's black and whites. Oof, insane. Have you ever heard that story of when uh, Wally Wood tried to work with Stanley uh, on Daredevil? Oh uh, no! Oh uh, well, I'm pretty sure this is Wally Wood. Wrong about this, actually. But as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'll well, just say it's Wallywood yeah. in this conversation. Yeah, it's Wallywood. <laughs> yeah, he tried to, like, you know, sit with a meeting uh, with Stanley, And at the time, uh, Daredevil was just not considered that interesting a character. And when they had a creative meeting, they would just sort of sit there and look at each other and uh, <laughs> not really come up with anything. That's kind so of how I feel about Daredevil. I did, you know, uh, go off on his own. Uh, he wrote and drew an issue of Daredevil. He turned it in. And then Stanley did this bizarre sort of apology at the beginning of the issue oh. where he mentioned that Wally Wood was begging to work on this issue of Daredevil, and he just sort of apologized for not writing it himself, but they're just going to let Wally Wood do what he needs to do and go on with it. And Wally Wood, you know, he wasn't having it. Good. uh, After he saw that, he walked away, refused to work with Stanley anymore and do any more issues of Daredevil. He he scapegoated the dude like that? Man, Stan. (laughs) Woo. Woo. Yeah, man. It's crazy out there, man. <laughs> yeah, I just did a quick Google search, and it was, in fact, uh, Wally Wood who worked on that issue at Daredevil. Yeah. Did he draw Daredevil with boobs or something? Or did he make, him make his boobs bigger each issue or something? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, that's not weird. That's not fair. <laughs> he becomes blind. I have no data about <laughs> he made him blinder. drawing Daredevil's yeah. boobs. Uh, I'd have well. to ask the audience to check out Daredevil's boobs on their own. Wow. So. Nice. so in your in your search bar, please type that in. What would you find? Oh, in your search bar, type in Daredevil's boobs. Oh. And, and let's see what happens. I'm not doing that. 
<laughs> Let's see what happens. And obviously, Nicole is doing that right now. Uh, yeah, oh, so, so um, yeah, Eisner worked with Bollywood and, and Jack Kirby, some of the greats, many other greats. And while wow, okay, Nicole found the search, she got an answer. Did Netflix censor Karen's nipples in the first episode of Daredevil from Reddit? <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. That's what you get for Daredevil's boobs. But um, but I have to ask you a question, though, about um, uh, Eisner. Why do you think, after all that, like, what was the point of doing the instruction manuals as opposed to the comics? Because if I understand correctly, right, if, if um, Bob Kane encouraged him to do comics, uh, like... Did he see comics and comic strips as separate entities? Like, uh, I mean, obviously you're not in his head, but um, was there any information that would speak to that? Because that just seems a bit. It's a. It's kind of strange. Did he look down on comics in a little in in a bit of a way, like the super, like well, you know, that, yeah. I think he was working at a couple levels above what he saw going on in comics Fair. in general. Yeah, and um, he still is. <laughs> there was one uh, quote he said where. Uh, you know, uh, when the opportunity to do the spirit came along, he uh, jumped at it. He left the studio. He um, formed with uh, Jerry Iger in order to go do the spirit. Because uh, at the time, he said up front that comics were considered a ghetto sort of art form. Woof. And nobody was taking it seriously. And with the spirit, he saw this opportunity to do something just next level. Mm, Got gotcha. you. And plus, you know, uh, back then, all the money were money in comics was in uh, newspaper strips. Gotcha. You know, that paid uh, much better than well, did back then. And uh, you just saw, you know, all the best artists, they were, you know, using uh, newspaper strips to do things like uh, Prince Valiant, Flash Gordon. He just oh, lavishly yeah. illustrated are- stories. Well, in comics, you had... <laughs> I, I don't want to say Shazam and um, yeah, yeah, just yeah, you know, the lower uh, tier of artistic talent. No, Bridwell would not appreciate you saying that, but no, um, yeah. uh, nah, no, I get no, I, I understand your point. Like they're they're definitely not as um, uh, what's the word involved as some of those strips. Pre- Quick fact: uh, Jack Kirby article pages for Shazam. Uh, and that was uh, starting to get going. And at the time, he didn't think that he was ever going to go anywhere. <laughs> so he just didn't sign his name. <laughs> and he was uh, I know that shocked when uh, Shazam took off. And it was actually a hit at the time. Well, Shazam, like, I felt cornered a market that early Superman cornered initially. Like, it, it, it was just so whimsical. And some of those... Those stories are are pretty insane. Like, if a guy like a Morrison wanted to take those on, it would be some mind-bending stuff because the, the story structures are so strange and weird and the enemies are weird and the, the resolutions are weird. Like, And it's all about words because, you know, that's where it's the powers like come the from. Foster society of evil and yeah. Mr. Mine. Yeah. Characters it, like Talkie Tawny. You invoke a god's name and you become a god. Like I mean, it, it's 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 a fascinating concept. Like oh, I mean, shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're spreading your power out to your friends and family so they can 
be become gods as well. as well. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it's you know, there's a lot you can do with that concept if you want to, you know, get ridiculous with it. I mean, I guess Alan uh, Alan Moore did it with Miracle Man in a way. Um, oh, yeah. Totally. Um, one of my favorite. That's my favorite Alan Moore uh, book. But whatever. That's. It's not about Alan Moore. It's not about you, sir. It's not about Jerusalem. It's about and Jerusalem is his is his novel, not the other Jerusalem, or is it? <laughs> <laughs> or is it Nicole? Oh. No, no. I was just. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. After he uh, published, finally was able to publish the contract with God, and he had all this success. Uh, later in life. Uh, you know, he did a series of lectures at, um, what was that? Yeah, the School of Visual Arts in uh, New York. Yeah. And uh, those classes uh, led to his uh, two books called uh, Comics and Sequential Art and uh, hmm. Graphic Storytelling and Visual Narrative. And those been. are like, you know, standard teaching materials today for comic book artists. Yeah, they're, they're good books. I mean, I own them. Um, I, I like what you call it a little bit more, making comics. I like that type of teaching. I like practical hands-on stuff. But they're they're excellent books. You will, well, if you're paying attention to reading um, uh, uh, comics and sequential art or whatever, um, you will come away with, with a, a newfound appreciation for the art, the, the art form. Um, and it, so... I mean, there's something I would ask about because what's funny is we mentioned we're we're talking about uh, Eisner, we're talking about the spirit, but we happen to mention Shazam, and there's something the two share in common, and the spirit has a character named Ebony, and Shazam has a character yeah. that's almost yeah. identical, named or looks similar, named, named Steamboat, and um, I mean, you can explain it if you want. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's up it's uh, up to you. This is the first I've heard of this character named Steamboat. Yeah. And I'm just looking at uh, a couple of Shazam covers with Steamboat featured here. It's... It's pretty... Wow, is he like... Um, okay, first of all, let's make it clear. Uh, Steamboat is an African-American character who was... I guess that's the 1940s or like late 1930s. Yeah. So, so it's a typical caricature. Um You've yeah. seen them in Warner Brothers cartoons, the guys with the, the bones and the noses and stuff. Uh, Ebony was in a in a similar vein, and it's a very complicated. They're very complicated things. To be clear, uh, Ebony, the character called Ebony, was the spirit's sidekick. Yeah. In uh, that comic strip. If and, you didn't know, uh, he was black. His well, name's Ebony. Style, I guess it leaned towards this, um, toward elements of you know, like humor strips and characters. It's a very fluid form, and a lot of um, you know facial expressions were did verge on cartoony. But when he drew Ebony, uh, wow, <laughs> Ebony was like one of the worst uh, depictions of an African American kid I've personally seen it, it, myself it, in comics from that era. It's, it's pretty uh, bad. If you look up, um, you know, to, to I guess this is going to get an explicit on this episode. If you look up, which it shouldn't, but uh, like it's just a, a sambo archetype. That's that's kind of what um yeah those characters. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Actually. Yeah, um, uh, and you know a number of reasons. I don't I don't think it's strange enough. I don't think this was done mean spiritedly, but it was done in that with the excuse that people tend to use of 
but it's he's a it's, product of his day and age. Of his day and age, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, to, you know, it, time it, and place, I guess. Time and place. It's still. It, here's the thing. My argument is though, it still ends up being in a, inappropriate. I'm not gonna sit there and say it shouldn't exist. I can still read a spirit story. It's just, you know, I'll shake my head <laughs> when I see him. <laughs> when I see him, I haven't read a spirit story in years, but I believe I could still read a spirit story and say, okay, well, this is what it is, and you know, I I don't think one should pretend like it it didn't exist or it wasn't drawn. Like if somebody went and said, I'm going to erase all of the depictions of Ebony. No, I disagree with it totally. And then what's his name? Um, the late, uh, oh my gosh, this is really bad that I'm forgetting his name. But he redid the spirit. He did the spirit again in the 2000s. Oh my gosh, this is so oh, bad. Darwin Cook. Yes. And he redesigned Ebony to look like a human boy. <laughs> um, I guess that's what Ebony was supposed to look like. look like. Yeah. Um, but it's I just there was a scene from the first issue of that comic where uh, a character, um, a female character that the spirit was rescuing, actually asks Ebony if that's what he seriously calls himself. And yeah, there's a bit of uh, dialogue about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it, like I, I, you know, the reason why a character like Ebony or even Steamboat exists though is because the you know when people talk about representation, that's kind of a a reason why because there is no representation so it's like you feel like you're so i can see somebody putting that character in thinking they're doing a favor they're like see look i put put one of those people in there um look at that they're even the sidekick because what's funny is how deep-seated this type of stuff is like the the weird blindness toward like say certain insensitivities or just um certain um gross caricatures of not just um, say black people, but even you know how Asians would be drawn uh, back then with the you know the the, the long oh, yeah. fingernails and the the um you know the, you yeah the, and and just the teeth like the the teeth and the the just, just very uh, devil I guess traditional you know the traditional like devil type features and stringy hair and all that it, it, it's that even in this day it, it it's still stuff you still battle with you know. Things that are seen as acceptable, and you're like, oh, like a few years later, it's like, oh, I don't know, maybe I should have thought about that a bit more. Will Eisner did state in a couple of interviews that he did regret uh, the character of Ebony and how he's portrayed. Um, yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, it, it, well, it's he, he's a smart guy. I mean, I'm sure he he, had, he did self reflection. Um, you know, and I, uh, those of Jewish descent weren't always drawn that great either they never were actually i would say they never were he wrote a book about it the plot the plot right <laughs> yeah exactly it, you it, have it, to look that one up yeah it's i i don't when i flip through it because i get like I, I got it um it it's not his i don't think it's his prettiest book but it's not about that it's about the really awful histories hopefully um when my new character um ebonier Comes out, you know. People are, um, people don't get too up in arms. Mind boggles. Steamier boat and ebonier. I did say this to to Nicole some time ago. If I were doing a DC book, I would ask to do a steamboat book. They would never give. I would say I want to do a steamboat book. Just just to see their eyes. Just oh, that doesn't exist. Oh, it does, and you own it. 
Don't lie. You bankrupted that company and bought them. You own that character. Um, I, I want to do a steamboat. Did you call him Steamboat? Here's the thing. I, I think I wrote notes on what I would do to. Oh, it man. would be. It, it would you literally. Into this, then. Subversion. Subver like it would be purely subversive. Oh my gosh. Because he's, he's a, it's a, it's a terrible concept. Ebony has already been redeemed, so Steamboat's the only one. Well, there's a ton left, but Steamboat <laughs> is the only one we spoke about that that would be left on this list of two. Uh, speaking of subversive characters and what could be done with Steamboat Bill, I guess, uh, there was that Flintstone series that uh, DC published, which was shockingly good and written by Mark Russell and... I would never have imagined that the Flintstones could be used as uh, this uh, commentary on society and problems that we're dealing with. You yeah, know, it's it, it was it was a brilliant book. Like I love that book. I wanted Nicole to read it, but she had no interest. It was dark and funny, and it worked. It it, it like better than shut up. DC, like I said, DC of all people put that out. Like you know. Warner Brothers, the most corporate of corporate. Like, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it's crazy. It's, it's like um, Disney sponsoring like a hippie commune. Uh, coming back around to Will Eisner, uh, we should mention the fact that, you know, he does have an award named after him. The Oscars. <laughs> the Grammys. <laughs> the Tonys. <laughs> No? Actually, I believe it's called The Wills. The Wills, yes, yes, yes. I, I'm familiar with those, The Wills. The Book of the Wills. I assume you're referring to the Eisners, right? Why, yes. Oh. Actually, I am. The <laughs> Oscars of the comic book industry. Ah, uh, yes. Currently, they are considered the highest award you can get. And uh, they actually replaced the uh, Kirby Awards uh, when that came to uh, end in 1987. According to this article I just brought up, um, it was actually Fantic Graphics books. They were attached to the Kirby Awards, okay. but uh, for whatever reason, that uh, award only was a thing from about 1984 to 1987. Mm. And um, after that, it was actually uh, the Eisners that were like the big muck muck deal. And uh, I think. Kirby was okay with it. He was actually on hand in 1988 when the first Will Eisners were presented, and he congratulated uh, all the winners that year. Man, that's a gracious dude, because I would be up in arms. Ah. I res no, I respect that. that I, I, I genuinely got to say that's, that's, that's a gentleman right there. True. But, yeah, till this, till to this day, you know, the Eisners are like uh, the big award to shoot for when it comes to the comic book meeting. But since we're like, you know, in this the twilight of this show, there's something I wanted to do before we sign off that's related to um, a lot of the stuff we're speaking about, uh, especially the Steamboat, whatever. Um, uh, it's not as controversial as that. Steamboat and um, Ebony situation. So I've been rereading my Starman as Will, Will Payton Starman from the 80s. Um, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I, oh, I love this character as a kid. Go again. <laughs> Why? I no, love it's the not that He's a bad character. But... Well, he's just <laughs> so I'm reading it now, and I'm like, this is actually entertaining. Like he's like this, 
he's like this really basic like he's the most basic dude you could ever meet like if you met this dude in person you'd be like oh you definitely only eat chicken with nothing on it like it's <laughs> boiled in a pot you know your rice you don't even you don't even, no salt no nothing just just rice that's it like he's it's a regular every man yeah boiled chicken and rice that's it but i it's it's a fun like uh, light read and roger stern roger stern is just so good at that like um like class. um and anyway i'm i'm entertained but i i read when i read my old comics i like to read the letters pages because it gives me a, a an insight into the time you know i like that historical aspect of things and one thing i'll tell you about letters columns in general anybody that says that people have gotten worse and are meaner no people are always terrible because you read a letters column and you encounter some really dickish people like one one thing this guy says he hates the the female character in the book who's um his sister um her name's jane and the the editor whoever replies to the letters says this and if you think jane is a pest then you're a buffoon <laughs> I love that. that was a that was a pretty good response. But that wasn't what I wanted to bring up. This was, it's right here in this letter. This person complains about um, Starman's uh, color being changed every panel. So Starman, he has the power to kind of shape change and whatever, change his skin color and stuff. So when he's normal, Will, he's just a regular white dude. But then when he changes to Starman, he gets a bit tan. And then like, he says the texture of his hair changes. I don't know what that means, but whatever. So he's complaining that every time every panel Starman's color changes to the editor replies, they are so used to making everyone flesh-toned that the more golden-hued Starman is rarely translated properly. It's all a matter of coding in that Will Payton and the rest of the humans are YRR2, which is the color code, and Starman's skin is Y3R2, and they are so close accidents occur. So I take issue with something. They re- they re- they refer to the flesh tone as um well the only pe- most of the people in the book I think there's like one black guy. So flesh tone implies only the white people because I imagine why are I mean sorry why two R two is not you know any other tone but that one and then you're talking about the ink that was. Well, the, the the color, yeah, the color for the color separations, like the the, the code that they use. So, it, and it's funny because he refers to them as humans. And I know there was no offense or it, it meant, but it kind of goes back to that um the stuff we were talking about earlier. It's this it, thing where it since it, it's out of sight, out of mind, since it's not relevant to you. So yes, flesh tone is that you know even when you use a marker or whatnot. When I'm coloring, you know, it, you know it, it it's easier to find the right tones for like if I have to color a white person. Even growing up coloring, I learned to color and draw white people way before properly way before um you you, you color um anybody anybody of color period actually um i definitely wasn't practicing drawing asian people because they're not around they're not in front of you so you have to think about it if if all you have are caricatures imagine what you end up doing you, you, you get what i'm saying you're drawing characters of characters exactly and you, you don't really learn the proper things and and uh you know i've made this joke before a lot of times sad to say certain uh a lot of artists don't actually know how to draw anybody that's not necessarily white like um i've seen so many jacked up hairdos 
on 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 characters of many stripes. I can specifically speak to like so, so like there's a drawing recently, and I, I don't want to call out the artist, but um, uh, he's a prominent one, and he drew a, a Superman, and it's it's Superman of Earth twenty three, and whoa, that hairline is jacked up. Superman of Earth twenty. Oh, Su- the African Yeah, yeah, President Superman, the black one. Um, one of the black Superman, I guess. Uh, because you have the other one. But yeah, no, I. I it, Obama Superman. Yeah, Ob- yeah, I guess yeah, he is Obama Superman because yeah, that's what inspired what's his name Morrison to create him. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's that's uh that's that that's my Starman um thing. I just found it to be funny because you know human and flesh tone like it 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 normalizes everything. It's like that's the default. You know what I mean? Like in the character creator, character's white. And then you add everything else or subtract. Oh, what was the 1980s anyway? What what could he do? Well, twelve he fly. Twelve issues in, he doesn't even know. Um, but he can. Oh, he yeah, he's a living star. Like there's a star inside him, and then the rest is just a shell. Like what the beam that hit him changed him. So he can he can fly at mock speeds. He can shape change. I don't know what don't know what that has to do with being a star. Um, he can heat himself up. So, because he doesn't know how to, I think he can shoot blasts, but he learns that eventually. Because um, he can, but he can heat himself up. He can. Uh, wow. I guess he gets, He's also got super strength. I take it. Yes. Yeah, sorry. My bad. Yeah. He's durable, but I don't think he's invulnerable because he got his his head knocked in a few times he doesn't breathe or anything like I say he's a living star so he doesn't have hu- regular human um uh faculties but yeah it, it, it's um it's a fascinating I, w- I would give this to a actually i don't think a kid would read this but either way um, <laughs> yeah i thought about it i'm like you know ah, it's too many words um it's yeah it's it's a pleasant it's a pleasant read for me um i'm actually in engaged i don't know why like i say i can't explain why um i think roger stern is a great right great writer is just you know so yeah on that uh wonderful star man yeah star manish note um did you have anything to add nicole i know you're so talkative this episode very very <laughs> oh shit here we go again <laughs> okay yeah here we go again you can find me on instagram at tipper tan wow she said that real quick do you want to be found, Nate? Eh, not this time. Exactly. I, I agree. I don't want to be found either, but she said Instagram, so I got to say it too. Paper Lab Studios, that's what we're on Instagram and paperlabstudios.com. That's the internets, the websites, the www. Toilets are always funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to kill you all kinds of dead. I had you beat like eggs. Heck, you did. No! Not a glob. Not a glob. Where's my vase? I'm supposed to have a vase full of blood and it's supposed to be in that box. We're available on Amazon Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, Castbox, Deezer, Podcast Addict, and Podchaser. <laughs> Computers now have primary control of critical vehicle functions.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.